Amen. All right. Well, I wasn't planning on five activities already happening because I was like, I'm going to plan an activity for us to do. So we're going to do an activity before we get going, okay? So if you can throw, yep. So what I want you to do is get into little groups, three to five-ish. I want you to talk in that group on a scale of one to ten, one being an extreme introvert, ten being an extreme extrovert, where do you think that you land? And there's no rules. You can be a range. You know, sometimes I'm a six, sometimes an eight, something like that. That's fine. No rules. This is for you. And then also answer the next two questions. What challenges are there in finding community based on that number or range? And then also, is there a desire for more community? So you got about five minutes to do this. You can just turn to your neighbors, or if you got friends on the other side of the room, no rules. Ready? Go. All right. Thank you all for participating so nicely. Um, before we uh, jump in today, we do have coffee and lemonade back there, and Bibles back by the camera if you want to grab one. We are about to jump into our scripture. Um, but first, I want to tell you who I am, at least for today. Today, I am the Deputy Director of Community, or the Assistant to the Director of Community. I've been deputized just for today. But normally, um, I get to work with our uh, youth here at Third Church. I have been here for seven years. I'm super honored to be able to uh, take over from where Tim uh, started us um, last week. So thank you, Tim. Um, but today, we are going to jump into our text. So if you've got the Pew Bibles... Um, can you pull up? Yep, we're on page 1102. If you've got your own Bibles, um, good luck finding Acts 20. I'm just kidding. You, you'll figure it out. The four Gospels and then Acts, New Testament. Acts 20, 36. You guys want to turn there? We're going to read this thing together. All right, so starting at verse 36. When Paul had finished speaking... He knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Acts 21. After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patera. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. By the way, there will be a test at the end of all these locations and where they are, so please take note. Verse 4, we sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. That's something to note. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Verse 5, when it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Quick 
pause for those of you, because this was even one of those things where we've read so much in Acts, I said, seven, this isn't an apostle, they're not disciples, what is the seven? So back in Acts 6, if you'll remember, there was an issue where the Hellenistic widows were being overlooked when the, in the distribution of food, so they decided to choose seven people to watch over that process. Philip was one of them. Also, fun to note, they, historians think that his four unmarried daughters were all under the age of 14, and they prophesied, and they are noted in Acts, which is, which is awesome. So if you're a note taker, that's a pretty cool thing. That, and that's what's great about Acts in general. The things that Luke chooses to highlight and to show are very different than what the culture thought was important in that day, which just shows that the kingdom of God looks a lot different um, than what the culture shows. Huh, maybe like today? Um, anyways, so uh, verse 10, let's keep going. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus, great name, came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Lord, or the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And this is verse 13. When Paul answered, then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. And again, the we is Luke, Paul, and the crew. Um, verse 15, last two verses here. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Manasseh, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. People of God, this is the word of God. All right, so I already kind of shared a couple takeaways that I had from that passage. Um, I don't know if you could f figure out from our opening activity, but we're going to talk about community today and my business card. There's a lot of signs that this is where we're going. Um, so four, four takeaways that I saw in the passage where, you know, Paul stopped, there was a time of, of you know, he stayed over, there was food, there was praying. Four, uh, take, or four instances of community in the text. Also uh, in verse 9, uh, people that in that day were, were not of prominence were given honor by Luke, shown to be valuable in the kingdom. And also uh, the community life in Acts, all over Acts, but in these passages was vulnerable and authentic, but it was also wide and open. It was, it was all-encompassing. And that leads me to koinonia, so the type of community we're talking about here is communion, joint participation, the share which one has in anything, participation, a gift jointly contributed, a collection, a contribution. So this was, this was everything, right? This was hospitality, this was food, this was, hey, Paul, I have nine coins, you should take these nine coins on with you to, your, to Jerusalem. Also, one thing that I, that I, the first time I read it, and, and Tim mentioned last week, so in uh, verse, in, in uh, Acts 20, 22, that's where Paul talks about going to Jerusalem. So I'm just going to read this again. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. So that was last week. 
So Paul is kind of on his goodbye tour throughout that region to go to Jerusalem. So where it says the two times in the passage we read today, through the Spirit, they warn Paul, like, danger is ahead. We're worried about you. Also, taking his belt and tying his hands and his feet, there's danger ahead. But Paul, who was so deeply abiding with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, knew what was to come. And he, I mean, right at this point, he's been thrown in jail and beaten to nearly death. So that wasn't anything new to him. And he knew that Jerusalem was where he was going, even though people that he trusted were given red flags and saying, I'm not so sure about this, Paul. Or at least, like, can we delay this trip a little bit so that we can see you again? Um, and so my, my, my personal example of, of this was when we were in uh, Holland, Michigan, back in 2011, there was this, hey, maybe we're going to take this job and, and move to Pella. And someone who was very near and dear to my heart, definitely in my inner circle, someone who I looked up to, someone who's a spiritual giant in my life, said, Brett, I know that ministry is going to be a part of your life. Like, this is you, and and it's probably going to be with students. I don't think this is the church. I'm worried, because the church that I came from was smaller than this room right now. So moving to this church was was a pretty big change. And and where we're from, there's a lot of uh, turnover and big churches. So he was worried I was going to come to the, the main streets of Pella and y'all were going to chew me up and spit me out and I was just going to be like, I'm done. No more Jesus, no more church. This, I can't do this. So in the spirit, he was, he was really worried that this was not the, the right step for me. But because, I mean, I, I don't think we were quite koinonia, but we were close. I took that. I took that to heart and, and, I, and we spent some time processing that and uh, spoiler alert, I took the job. So, um, but, so koinonia might, it's, it's great and it's all-encompassing, but that doesn't mean that it's easy, right? My example, that was not an easy interaction. Someone who I trusted was giving me some hard realities. But also, in verse 13, right, Paul shares openly his frustration with people that he dearly loved. Why? Sorry, verse 13. Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So he was so in tune with the Holy Spirit that he wasn't going to be deterred, even though people that he loved were sending warnings and so the reason that we're talking about community today, there's a lot of things in this passage that we could have taken. We could have talked about the Holy Spirit discernment and things like that. But um, I don't know if you can tell, I'm kind of on the high end of the one through 10 scale. So I really love community. Community, um, I'd argue that if it weren't for the community that I had back in Holland, I wouldn't even be a youth pastor right now. So I was invited by by a group that was already kind of established. This was pre-Emily. Hi, Emily, my wife. Um, so I didn't want to join because I didn't want to be the single guy with a group of married people. But they invited me, hey man, we're going to have food. You should come. And surprisingly, that took, it still took a lot of invites before I said yes. 
Uh, the group called themselves Tradition, and every Friday night, they would get together at somebody's house, and they would cook a meal from scratch, and we would be there until like 11 o'clock. Well, if it wasn't for that group, and the guy in, in that group is the one who said, warning, don't go to Pella, um, I don't know that I would have ever come out of my dark hole that I was in at that time. I was very isolated, and I didn't want to have anyone around. Well, I got invited, and those people were the same people that said, hey, you should come on this mission trip with me. And I said, well, we do everything else together. Why not? And then on that mission trip, that's where God spoke to me, and I realized where my path was leading, and that was in youth and Tapella. So koinonia is the way that I think the church needs to go. I think that the way that uh, the Western church as a whole has been doing things, you can tell just by the numbers that we see, the decline, you know, the number of people that, that select none on their religious views. I think that what we have been doing, the, you know, shaking hands, saying, how are you? Good, how are you? Um, how's your mom? She's doing great. Thanks for praying. Um, I think that doesn't go far enough. And I think that the early church showed us what it looked like to do it the right way. So, I know that that's not just an overnight thing. Um, I'm sure the early church had a ton of mistakes and had a ton of times where there had to be um, forgiveness asked and there was, there was healing over relationships and it wasn't just, just because they were full of the Holy Spirit didn't mean that they weren't knuckleheads to each other every once in a while. So, I'm not saying that all you need to do is say, oh, I'm just going to be super vulnerable, and then all of a sudden everything is going to be fine. No, there are going to be bumps along the way. So anyways, so you know where I came from, all right? So we get here in August of 2012, and for one full month, we had no community. I just went to church to work, and then I went home, and then we went to church on Sunday, and we went home, and I thought I was going to die. Um, <laughs> Emily and I, our first year of marriage, we did not see each other that much because we both had jobs that had weird hours and we were just going back and forth, strangers passing in the night kind of a thing. We get here and it's like, stop making that noise. It's like, I'm just breathing. And it's like, we didn't, we didn't know each other that well yet, right? So that first month was so, I mean, when, when people say it's hard to find community in Pella, which... We can talk about that later, because I think that's a loaded phrase, and I think that it's not really true. Um, but it, that one month, oh boy. And then one day, we walked into this room, and there was community groups back in 2012. And someone said, hey, you should join our group. And I said, sure thing, person I've never met before. <laughs> and it, we haven't looked back. That group has morphed, and that group has changed, but those are our 2 a.m. friends now. Like, that's the group. Um, so, thank you to that person, who I'm not going to name, but the auditorium was very instrumental in us finding community. So, this room holds a very near and dear place in my heart. So, in community, things are not always easy, but also things are even more enjoyable than outside. Like, the, the children of the community that we have are, are, are near and dear to my heart. And in that community, those sharing of life experiences, it's just, it's amplified. Everything is amplified in community, the good stuff and the bad stuff. So that community that we got 
after a little while, we, you know, August of 2012, to keep you on the timeline, we get this community, and we've got, oh my gosh, these are the people that are going to fill the community-shaped hole that we lost when we moved to Pella. And then they're like, we're leaving. And we're like, no, we just got you. And then we were like, okay, they left, and we missed them. And then another group was like, we're leaving. And we're like, no, we can't do this again. But because we had that larger community around us, we were able to take that blow and keep going. And I think that's what happened when Paul was doing his goodbye tour throughout the region. The church community that was set up, that was so all-encompassing and wide and open, when they were weeping and kissing Paul and saying, no, don't go, we're going to miss you. If they weren't in community, I think that would have been just a blow that they wouldn't have been able to recover from. But because of that koinonia community, that all-encompassing lifestyle, I think that is what helped them make it through. So, I have a couple points that I want to share, and they're kind of in order, but not really. Uh, worship team, you guys can come on back up. This is, this is my last little chunk here. Um, so, point one and two are kind of interchangeable, because it all depends on the situation. I think that we all have people that are maybe in the periphery of our life right now, that maybe um, could, could come into the inner circle. So, for example, Jesus had 12, but really he had three, right? He had Peter, James, and John. Those were his inner circle. Those were his 2 a.m. friends, to use that phrase again. So, so depending on the situation, um, you know, the discernment of, of who, who is that person that I would trust to bring in. But also, do I need to take the step to ask them to come into that circle? So it all depends on the situation, right? Sometimes it's taking that step first and then like, oh, should I think about that or not? I don't know if that was the right move. And then also, if I were to write a book on community, it would be called, it's not easy, it's actually scary, but it's worth it, so do it. So that, it all depends, like I said, on the situation. If you're going to discern or if you're going to initiate, but I think these are ways that you can take to um, get that community and why it's important. And then also, um, practical next steps. Point three, is there someone in your life, like I said, that's maybe out there that you're ready to take that next step with? And that's why I asked you if there's a desire for more community. Huh? Leads, starts, finishes, bring it together. And then, is there someone in your life this was, this was a callback from Tim last week. He said, hey, maybe there's someone that you can go out to a meal with. Great one, Tim. I'm taking that. Um, so, hey, I, I don't want to, El Charo's open. Culver's is open today. Maybe today is the day that you ask somebody out for a meal. Who knows? I'll let you take that. So thank you guys uh, for listening. Let me pray for us and then let us worship as we close out the morning. Jesus, thank you for... Um, the early church and, the, and the, the witness that they were and the, the example that they are to us on how to live in Christian community. Will we take something from their, um, their story and learn from it and grow from it? Will you bless us today, Jesus, as we go? And will community grow and will um, authenticity and vulnerability grow not only in Pella but in this region. We love you, Jesus. Amen.